What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Men Thrive, and you already know what it is. We are the place where black men talk. It don't even matter. You know, I, I don't give a damn what your new project is. I don't care what you got coming out. Uh, I care about what kind of man you are and that you come here because you just want to have some conversation about how you have committed to thriving in your life instead of just surviving. And man, if we don't have a motherfucking thriver in the <laughs> house today, um, like this cat personifies thriving on a whole nother level. You know, you already got a chip on your shoulder when you're born in Washington, D.C. That just comes with the territory. As soon as you come out the womb, the chip is placed on it if you didn't come out the womb with it. Some people say... He is the lifestyle specialist because he is self-proclaimed and the original trademarker of that style. But, but <laughs> I see him differently. Um, I literally believe without question that Kenny Burns is the connector of human energy and translator of culture because wow. he does not do anything transactionally. If you notice, brother, he's connecting with his whole heart, his whole mind, his whole spirit with no filter, no matter who you are. You're going to see the same Kenny Burns at the club that you do at church, that you do at the family reunion, that you do at the political event, that you do when you call on a weekend and you just need to hear from a brother. And that's what I'm so thankful for. Uh, so y'all give a huge Men Thrive round of applause uh, to my brother, Kenny Burns. What's up, man? Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. That was a hell of an intro. I need the first bit of that as I go on this next tour to introduce myself. Oh, listen, brother. I appreciate I'm, I'm, that. I'm going to cut cut it and send it to you. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> but it's the truth, man. And and listen, you have done um, and been in rooms and been in spaces that a lot of folks don't even understand. And so there there's... There's something about this business that is that exists on multiple levels, right? It's all it's almost like the earth. You got right. you got a crust um, where a whole lot of life happens, but no decisions get made there. And then you got the mantle, which is where the shit gets hot. And right. if you don't know how to navigate that space, uh, you don't stay there very long. And then you got a core. And in that core is where decisions get made that most people don't even know happens. And you've been in the core for a long time, Kenny. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm curious if you would have had the chance to talk to Kenny Burns when you were at Morris Brown. Right. Would that Kenny have been able to imagine where this Kenny is? I think he could imagine it. I think with the right information, he probably would have achieved his goals a little sooner. And that's where, you know, having a father, big mm. brother, you know, just a mentor in place early. You know, that's why I was just complimenting you about your sons and your family and my family and just what we've been able to accomplish, you know what I'm saying, as fathers, considering how, I know, like, how I grew up, I don't know exactly how you grew up. I think we talked about it a couple of times. But I know, you know, single-parent home, mother, aunts, grandmother, um, streets was my daddy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so to not have that speaker of life, that example that it's possible, you know, that was, you know, that's what he was missing. And I think that if, you know, if he could have gotten that game, if 
he could have gotten that information, it just would have been a hell of a drug a lot sooner. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Kenny, because I had every ounce of my dad. Like, yep. it was times when I wish this dude would have went somewhere. There was times I right. wish I wouldn't have been able to find that dude. Go, daddy. Like, listen, man. No, man. I, I remember... I remember being in the fourth grade, turning around, he in the classroom, because I, I needed that. Uh, yeah. I remember him showing up places. I didn't think he was going to show up. Right. Uh, I, I, got, I got the most savage beatings and the most amazing hugs. So wow. I had him, but what was crazy for me was I don't know if I was able to glean the same amount, the amount of wisdom I should have from him because I was so busy trying to define myself as my own man. Right. And so it's interesting, right? Like, like you and I had very different um, experiences with our dad, but sometimes it ends up being the same thing because ultimately we got to make, we got to make a way for ourselves on right. our own terms. That's and, right. and, and I think about that for you and, and, and for those that don't know you, know you, if you know Kenny Burns, you know, the dream is real. Um, cause, cause you can't meet Kenny Burns and, and not hear that the dream is real at, at least, some point. At some, right. no, I mean, listen, I, I, I feel like there's like a clock that goes off and like every 38 and a half minutes, you just shout the, the dream, dream is real. Is real. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, but, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm interested, man, in, in, cause that can just be bullshit. That sounds good at the club yeah. when you on the mic, but I know you better than that. And yeah. so. I'm curious about when did the dream come real? Because there's there's a pathway where you work and work and work and work and work and and you grind like the best of them. So you've never stopped working. But there is a right. point where you like, yo, this right here is it. And and yeah. I'm gonna keep building on this. When was that for you? Uh, well, I th you said something prior to that. I'll bring into that question. But I think, you know, for, for our fa from our fathers, right, from your father, particularly because he was in your life, um, I think, you know, we've, we've taken that responsibility and give, the, you know, and give our children the information. I always tell my two mm -hmm. sons, like, I'm giving you the cheat sheet. I'm mm -hmm. giving you the answers before you even get the question. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is listen. And to your point, you know, we weren't listening to nobody back then. We wanted to find who we were. Um, yeah, but, but, but no, 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 no. But that, no, 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 Kenny, because that's a good point. I, I think the difference is we are in a generation where we are interested in having relationships with our children. Oh, without question. So without question. my dad Bro. was there for me. He loved me. Like, I mean, like everything he didn't do right, I give him grace because he was revolutionarily more of a dad than his dad knew how to be to him. Right. And so, but that generation wasn't looking to have no relationship with their kids. They it didn't know like, how to. Here's what the they hell did, yeah. I told you to do. Do, do it. it. Now, if I love you in the process, that's a bonus, nigga. And now, <laughs> right. you know, enjoy this. But, but my dad wasn't looking to have a relationship with me. He was looking to take care of me and be there for me. I think our son... Well, well in tune, though, in tune, though, Jeff, you have to, again, their, their way of communicating because of their upbringing, because of the fears yeah. that were put into them, they didn't really know how to put their arms around you in the way that we now do, right? Well, no, and and we no, also no, 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 but no, but check. My earliest memory is my dad tickling me. And, oh, no. and my dad, um, 
was incredibly communicative, but it was one way until right. I became an adult, right? It was, it was not, I don't really care how you feel. I don't right. care what you think. This is what you're going to do. <laughs> and this is the expectation for how you're going to do it. Now, you do that, and we all good. Right. And, and, and so I, I always felt loved by him. I never necessarily felt like he was interested in what I was thinking. Oh, I'm very, which is key in a relationship. No, it is. It is. And, and, and again, nobody modeled that for them. It, it was kids were supposed to be seen and heard. You, it, you could barely talk in front of adults when adults yeah. was talking. Don't um, focus. Talk. Shut the yeah, fuck up. Exactly. So, so I just, I think that I'm, I'm interested and I know you, I watch you. You're interested in having a relationship with your sons. hundred percent. And not even just my sons, but young black mm -hmm boys and girls because I just think that you know one thing we did have growing up was a village I feel like you know you couldn't go down a block and act up because such such mom and them was going to tell mm -hmm. um but yeah but our interest and my personal interest yeah is absolutely to mean something to that generation and I think that's why I've been able to connect and stay around for so long but to your dream is real question because I don't want to get too far off I know you have a masterful list over there but the dream is real for me you know the day the judge my senior year in high school didn't sentence me to the time I could have gotten. I knew wow. the dream was real. I knew that there was something bigger for me. I knew that, you know, if I could get up out this orange jumpsuit, and out these chains and get out this courtroom, that I had a chance to be great. And my steps were ordained. I literally took hold of my life and made something happen, not by security of knowing, but by putting one foot in front of the other. And, you know, that started at HBCU. I, I never experienced a full cluster like the AU Center. I uh, obviously mm -hmm. grew up in D.C. And, and was affectionately attending Howard on, <laughs> on a weekly basis and not enrolled uh, from, the, <laughs> from the 11th grade until. Uh, That's a rite so of passage, in fact. <laughs> it's, it is. It is. Are you kidding me? But, you know, again, it's – it's that one foot in front of the other. And the reason I knew that the dream was real coming out of that situation is because that judge was lenient. And I was one of very few cases, especially after the 88 crime bill. And ironically, the 92 crime bill probably would have had me a little more tripped up and I got locked up in 91. So God is good. And I know my steps were ordained for sure. And, and when you think about that, because, because ordained steps, man, is is requires a level of discipline. And, yeah, and, and selflessness. And, yeah, and and so often we have such clear vision, so we think of where we're supposed to be, and and almost always God oh, has something bigger. Yeah. And and so I, I hear you talking about ordained steps, and I and I know you to be. Um, a really introspective cat, man, that that is that is focused on gaining wisdom and talking to OGs and, and learning from them and 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 elevating. But but literally, was that a space where you understood what ordained steps meant? And, no, absolutely and, not. OK. Yeah. No. Initially, it was just being open to receive. I think a lot of times, you know, and I often have these conversations with my OGs. It's like, you know, I heard the information early on. I didn't necessarily apply it though, right? Because I think, you know, trial and error was our school for real, for real. Like mm -hmm. we 
wanted to experience things. We wanted to see for ourselves. Uh, we wanted to prove a concept. We wanted to, you know, see that the thing we were selling at the time or doing at the time was was legit to ourselves because, you know, we don't really come from an era of social media where you felt like you had to be a certain way. Like you either yeah. were yeah. or you weren't. Yep. And nine times out of ten, you didn't even get the chance to get up under somebody and, you know what I mean, because they just weren't that friendly. Yep. Um, if you if you look at the times when we came up, I mean, you were a special case and getting in BET and doing your thing really early, but like cats early, like myself. Early, brother, I was 30. Were you? Dude, I was, I had my 30th birthday before I was ever on BET. Are you, I thought you were like the youngest, smartest motherfucker that ever nah, <laughs> got on TV. I mean, I, well, I, nah, brother, listen, I, I started working. Wait, at no, the, no, no. So t wait, wait, wait. So your first thing on BET was what? Rap City. No, but you were Cousin Jeff before on that, no? Rap City. Where did I see you before that, though? You used to do something. I was the TV. national youth director at the NAACP, bro. Like, literally. 30? Dude, let me tell I, you. I feel like Teen Summit or something. I was something. never I, on Teen Summit. That is crazy. I, was I, feel like I started at the NAACP when I was 26. I left when I was 29. I g went to New York wow. because I was trying to, to build a business. And this sister was like, I had, a, I had lunch with Stephen Hill today. Yep. And your name came up because me and Steven wow. would be on panels here and there together. And she was like, you should go see him. And at the time I was doing the Hip Hop Summit Action Network stuff with Russell. Okay. So, you know, man, when you first starting to build your business, you're going to have you're going to have meetings with anybody to pay for lunch. Hello. So or meet with you. That <laughs> yeah, has some, so, some type of power. And, and I didn't I had no desire to be on TV. So right. I literally just wanted lunch and see what this dude was going to talk about. So went to Steven's office, walked in the office. Steven was like, listen, love your energy. I think you'd be great for the demo. You want to be on TV? Right. And I was like, I don't know, man. I, I ain't never thought about it. And he's like, I want to put you on 106 in Park or Rap City, but I don't know how. And wow. I was like, I can't do 106 because they, they yelling, man. From the time the show starts <laughs> to the time it's over, they, they on a thousand. And that's just You were not grown, me. grown then, right? So I said, but, no, but, but literally, I just didn't even have a model for it. So it might have right. even just been a lack of vision. I was like, I can be to Tigger what Tavis has been to Tom Joyner. I said, okay. I can come in once a week. We can rap about some stuff. I'll be out. He was like, bet. You're going to be Tigger's cousin. We're going to call you Cousin Jeff. We're going to start taping next week. And I was Dope. like, Cousin Jeff, dog? Like, that shit sound kind of Bama. Yeah. It's already BT. I'm coming from this right. serious political place. He right. said, trust me, Jeff, it's going to work. And, um, and I asked Steve and I said, do you promise not to censor me? And I said, yeah. He said, yeah. And he never once did, man. And so St Stephen Hill literally is, is the singular reason why I am on TV. That's dope. And I think ordained steps, those were partly yours. You weren't intending yes. to be on TV. That's and, and that's what I mean, too. Like, and when we were coming up, like, again, back to the point, like, we didn't know all the way. No. You know, you were, with, you know, you were doing your thing and end up doing TV. I was actually wanting to kind of, like, use my superpower, which is my personality and my way to connect with people. But I didn't want to, I didn't like the sucker shit in the <laughs> business. You know, I'm, I'm a street cat, so... You know, and back then, you, I mean, you know the stories. Like, I, I, I pull up. Like, I, I wasn't, I, was, I just didn't like lying for no reason. Mm -hmm. I didn't like taking something from me that was, you know, clearly I, I, I could offer it better than you, but you just felt for whatever reason you want. And so I always dance, Jeff. 
And this is my, these are my ordained steps. I always, I get in for a second. Oh, I don't really like this motherfucker. Okay. I need, to, okay. Let me, let me go on this way. So I don't put my hands on nobody. Cause you know, back in the day, you know, every industry cat rapper executive wanted to be a street dude. Oh, yeah. And then it became executives and rappers that were really street guys. And yep. so, you know, and I think me meeting Jay and Dame through Clark Kent early on around 96, let me know, okay, there's some thorough guys mm-hmm. that I can align with, you know what I'm saying, and do my thing. Claude Austin, before he died, got arrested there. That's Dallas Austin's brother. Another Dave Gates. Thorough guys that just were men's men. They weren't no, they weren't bullshitting you. They weren't trying to take nothing from you. And then, obviously, Andre Harrell, God rest his soul, you know, he really saw my superpowers and mm-hmm. told me what they were and told me how to double down on them and monetize them. And um, so, so talk, talk to me about that, man, because um, I will tell you that the most difficult I've, time I've had in this COVID reality is that week. Yeah, bro. Um, it, it, w- it was hard enough um, with Ahmaud Aubrey. And then hearing about this brother in Indianapolis and then getting the text about Andre and I didn't know what to do. Like it just, it it didn't make any sense to me. And I just talked to him maybe the week before about vote or die uh, and what was going to happen. And we was arguing uh, the way only Andre can argue. And, yeah. you know, he was just like, yeah, Jeff, you just want to do that shit for these smart cats. You know, I'm. <laughs> no, that's it. That's him. That's who he you is. Just wanna he just want to do stuff for these smart cats, man. I, I just, he's going ch- to challenge intelligent brothers because he thinks he's the most intelligent. And when you earn his respect, <laughs> you have the golden key, brother. Oh, man. And, and, yeah. and, and, and so I'm, I'm curious about, tell me about when you first met Andre. Um, man. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm gonna tell you how ironic life is, you know. Um, and big shout out to Payton Full by Eric B and Rakim. I think they just celebrated 30 years or something. Yeah, uh, from the Payton Full album. And you know, one of the first albums that I ever really identified with was Payton Full. And I'm gonna get to Dre because it's, I have to set it up with this record. Um, but when I heard Rakim rap. You know, he was the first real conscious fly motherfucker. Oh, yeah. You thought he was selling dope. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, you had no clue that he was not cursing in his rhymes the way he made you feel, right? And so I'm I'm at the, like, kind of crossroads in my life. Like, do you really want to get in the street? You know how you are. Like, Mm. you only see those types of guys go here or there. Like, are you sure? And I'm, 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 I'm like, gingerly walking the line, Jeff. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm getting this heavy D and I'm getting this uptown, like I'll be sure if in effect mode and I'm getting, you know, Mary and, Je- and I'm, I'm, I'm becoming an R and B dude. Like mm. I'm literally, I'm, I'm tapping into my emotions. My, my upbringing by all women obviously was a bonus in the streets as these songs became soundtracks to my love affairs yes, and sir. all this amazingness. Yes sir. yes, sir. And so I had a whole connection with what Andre was doing before I even knew he was the Svengali behind it. And so as I'm That's a coming setup. up in the game, yeah, and as I'm coming up in the game, I'm noticing how music moves culture. You got to imagine our, our day, bro. Like, 
we had extremes, right? We had Public yes, Enemy, sir. we had NWA, we had extremes of social consciousness. It wasn't even about just being ignorant. It was about consciousness. No, this is going on in L.A. They are fucking beating the shit out of us. Mm-hmm. They kill. No, this is like, no, you got to understand. And then so as these different, you know, rap, hip-hop movements were happening, you had this Garden of Eden that was Uptown Records. And yes, so sir. as I learned who that was, I, I became more intrigued because, you know, I started knowing people that were of the, the cloth, right? And I, I found out Puff worked for me. He was at Howard University when I was in the 10th grade at Wilson, and we in the street. We had Club Opera, mm-hmm. Kilimanjaro, Chicago's, all that at 16 years old. He's running around, and, you know, he's there, there. And so you, but he looked at us because he like, I know y'all from here because y'all know everybody, but y'all look 12. Like, how y'all getting money and popping champagne? White star, $25 in the club. Um, so, you know, the point is I started noticing the pieces that were in and around this man. And then in 1996, I had um, – I was living in Atlanta. I had already become the biggest promoter here. I was bringing everybody who's anybody. And uh, Clark Kent called me. and He was like, Kenny. Um, Andre Harrell just took over Motown and he's giving black executives white executive pay. <laughs> and Jeff, like for me, like mind you, 96, I probably, I had made a million dollars in parties, like literally, mm. and spent it all. And then, you know, I'm getting into the, my feet wet in the music business with uh, Monica's first album, Miss Thing, and Jay-Z. You know, reasonable doubt promoting that, this, that, and the third. But I wasn't like in the business, and I'm like, wait, white executive salaries? Man, like he's like, bro, he's like, he's paying people seven hundred, five hundred, one fifty. Like, now mind you, nineteen ninety six. That's crazy. He, but but he understood the value yeah. of your contribution. Now I didn't get nowhere near seven hundred, five hundred, or one fifty. I started sixty thousand dollars, and I got the chance to do that, ladies and gentlemen, because I knew he was coming to D.C. and I wanted to meet him. And Clark Kent had said, "Kenny, he loves parties, fair-skinned women with wa- a wavy hair, and Dom Perignon champagne." I said, "Well, Clark." I am the party maestro. I can prepare that in a heartbeat. When is he coming? Saturday. I was like, oh, two days. I got you. Jawan Howard played for the Bullets at the time. Chris Weber played at the, you know, for the Bullets. Rasheed Wallace. I'm like, I yeah, got to get these dudes in there. I hit my partner, Will, who's best friends with Weber. I was like, yo, had him here. I'm doing the party. Boot. Put the party. Party's crazy. He comes into the joint. I'm not there yet. I'm actually with Clark on my way, but I knew he you know, what he liked. So I had it waiting for him. They escorted him to a friend of mine. She sat with him, entertained him. The champagne was flowing. By the time Clark Kent and I walked up in the, in, in the best Andre Harrell impression I could do. <laughs> oh, shit, this nigga came with this honest light-skinned nigga. Oh, I mean, he is, he is losing it, right? Because he, he just couldn't believe that he's on this Motown search and you know, because Clark had told him, my man's going to put a party together. But, so he just was amazed. So long story short, he was like, oh, shit, nigga, what do you do, nigga? Oh, shit. I was like, I make it happen. Oh, no. I don't know. I, I, I didn't even know what else to say, Jeff. I was like, I make it happen. He's like, oh, this nigga's serious. And so he started going on. And so we had literally probably a 15-minute conversation tops. It went from I make it happen to him really being intrigued 
on what that was. And so I started showing him the dynamics of the function. And he was like, you did this shit in two days? I was like, yes, absolutely. You know Mark Barnes? I was like, absolutely. That's big brother. He used to kick me out of all his parties when we were 16 running amok around this city. So long story short, he's like, come to New York Monday morning. Be there by 8 o'clock. I might have something for you. I was there 8. He didn't get there. The 10 mm-hmm. came and, oh, sit. The nigga came. Oh, sit. And he was like, yo, come in my office. We talked. He called us. Uh, Sincere Thompson in there. He was like, yo, put him in street team marketing. Pay him $65,000 a year. I went from 65000 to eighty to one hundred and twenty in a year. Mm-hmm. He let me do whatever I wanted to do. He just, you know, he just, he poured into me and my ideas. You know, back then Motown didn't have many successes, but we had some incredible promo uh, and marketing campaigns. And one of them was this Mike and Ike packaged uh, mixtape that Clark Kent and I did. And I got an ice cream truck and ran through all the boroughs. We had several of them through all the boroughs in New York. And, you know, we had all our day and, you know, shades and all the groups we had. Terrell Hicks, like all these artists that never ended up. Then we had, the, obviously, the roster that was uh, Horace Brown and that had a hit single and uh, Johnny Gill. You know what I mean? So we had all the – and people went nuts. And, of course, my basketball skills were still intact. <laughs> so our, our basketball team uh, was legendary, and we used to have all these tournaments that – you know, uh, how can I be down and impact in all these places? But he allowed me, brother, to really see what black excellence was. You know, I met him. He immediately invited me to his home. You know, I remember one time he sent his driver in a rose to pick me up. Hey, I never seen no shit like this. I mean, I, this is TV shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, this but, is- but you know, but you know what, Kenny? I, I think the interesting thing is, and and like. Andre was Andre was an anomaly in that he was in the business so long yeah, that if you weren't in the business, yeah. you didn't know Andre. No and, question. And so what, what I found amazing was that this was a cat who just aggressively loved talent. Culture. Yeah, he loved, he, he and, loved, and he, and he, he loved black, he loved black people. And he loved black culture. But he and just therefore what, but he it, saw you. But but yeah, but the thing is too that he he was never afraid of young cats. It was, no. it, it was like there's so that many That was his lifeline. There's so many cats that are like, I don't want this dude's light to 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 block mine. And don't he don't give always me to talk realized, about people. I know I know what you're trying to do, Jeff. Don't don't no, give me no, to talk no, about no, people. No, I'm just saying. I'm but but just, I, I want to say this. I want to say this about I want to say this about him because I, I want to finish the statement. Not only did I see the the monetary benefits of being, you know, in his shoes. He taught me about art, Jeff. Mm. Like I, I mean, he taught me about Basquiat. He mm-hmm. taught my. I have a painting in the foyer before you get in my bedroom. It's called Burning Bed, and my first expensive painting. I think at the time it was like he got it for seventeen five. It's like, oh yeah, take that. I know you get married, nigga. I know you. Oh yeah, you know all that. And I literally, bro, like you know what I'm saying. And so. He taught me about life. And when I say I live life for a, lev- a living and I'm the lifestyle special, I got all of that, all of that from Andre. And that's what I'm trying to say as far as mm. when you meet somebody and you think it's one way, to your point, right? You never know, man. And this, this, this angel became a fixture in my life, bro, like on another level. Yeah. I, I, I was telling somebody a couple of days ago that, that, the world doesn't really know what they lost. Um, 
because he just um he knew how to put shit together and like yeah. and and he and he never was overzealous about it like you know you know how you be at spots that you know was curated by Andre and he'd just be sitting back just enjoying yeah. it uh yeah. because that was what it was about for him it it was about being able to look around and watch other people enjoy yes. what he had curated without having to be boisterous about curating it. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you, that I, I want to say this because I, the, I, I, I want to make this point. You know, the, the, a fun fact about Andre Harrell, he was never, ever not that person you're describing in public. The mm-hmm. only time Andre was an asshole <laughs> is, is if he knew you could do better. If mm-hmm. he knew that you could be like this whole, you know what I'm saying? Like he... I mean, dog, even the way that he would, you know, be an asshole would still be dope because it'd be like he talked to you, give you an opportunity to fix it. And if you weren't quick enough on your toes, then he doubled down on the shit. And then but you you got to a point where you you didn't want to be in that position. You didn't want to be not having the information when it was time because he would start you out in conversation. Then it would be in the boardroom. And if you're right in the boardroom, the best idea wins. That's one thing he taught me. The best idea, and I was batting one million with him. Right? <laughs> by, by the time I got to, you know, by the time I got to the boardroom, I was ready, Jeff. I was ready, and I haven't stopped. I have not stopped. So talk about that, man. You, you, you. This, this has been the last two years in particular, man. Have been crazy for you. Um, like, well, I want to. I don't want to finish with him. I want to get to that, but I want to say one more thing. Uh-huh. Revolt Television, you know, in our lives, if we are blessed enough where student becomes the teacher, and you can have the affection you gave your mentor given back to you in the way that you gave it to your mentor, and I just want to shout him out because, or shout this moment out because, or that this, you know, twenty thirteen. You know, Dre and I always kept in touch, but you know me, I'm a hustler. If, if something's not working mm-hmm. on that side of the fence, I got to go. I left Motown with his blessing. I signed a girl group dream, became the biggest debut of girl groups behind the Spice Girls. I signed Akon, Wale, like I'm rolling. Mm-hmm. I'm, I did Ryan Kinney, the, you know, the button-ups to change the way hip-hop was dressing. I Yo, was doing all these Monica. things. Yeah, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. So, But my, my thing is, by the time I reconnected with my mentor, y'all, I had an opportunity where I know that my counsel was needed and my perspective was needed. And for anybody who's ever been mentored by a great, by a cultural God, you got to feel me on this. So I launched Revolt Television with him. And during this time, he had had the bypass surgery where he had the heart attack. And, you know, I'm on him about eating good. As soon as I started working, you remember when I was 39, I started, I'm about to be 48. I was on my workout shit. I'm telling everybody I know, work out, drink water, get off the liquor. I mean, don't get off the liquor, but drink water while <laughs> drinking the liquor. And, and so long story short, man, we going like back and forth. And we have like this, the dopest relationship we've ever had enters the opportunity for revolt. I go like, Dre, we're going to make this the biggest, blackest thing on the planet. Puff has other ideas. But then I start noticing, and I, wa- and I want to just be 100% transparent with this, Jeff, because it's important to treat people with respect that deserve the respect and honor them in the way that they are, are, are deserving of that honor while they're here. I just saw 
how he was being treated, man, and how his his confidence was stripped away from him. You know, it's like first of all, you have a heart attack. That's a big fucking deal. You almost died. He had bypassed, like yeah. I want to say quadruple, right? Yeah, it was. Um, if it's not, and so when you look at that though. And he's already, you know, okay, I got to get back on my horse. So people, you know, his friends are helping him. People are putting him in position. You know, Puff makes him chairman. But chairman with no real power is, is a slap in the face. And I just, I feel like, and I'm not dissing Puff, and I, I mean, everybody knows how I feel about Puff, but Dre had resorted back to, you know, this, this kid of sorts that wasn't securing his superpower anymore. He could talk the talk. Now, he get in front of anybody. When the camera was on, it was time. He'll give it to you. But I felt so like, I felt, I felt, I felt crazy that my idol feels this way about himself. So from 2013 to the day he died, two days before he died, Jeff, you know, same call you probably got the week before. Puff's going into this thing. I think I had checked Puff publicly about the hostage or the whole right. vote hostage, right. whatever. And so he's calling me. He's like, yo, what we got to do? I was like, yo, I'm about to get Biden on the show because Jamie Foxx had called me like, Biden wants to get on your show. I'm like, and he's like, what? Biden? I'm like, yeah, nigga, you think I'm playing? Like, I'm coming for it. I'm in now. He's like, all right, well, let me get with Maxine Waters and Al Shot. He started going nuts, Jeff, pulling, you know, he's like, send me Killer Mike's number. I need to know him a little bit. So we're putting this comprehensive plan together. But the Tuesday before his death, bro, and I hope I didn't lose anybody because I want to start with the beginning and end here. He was talking about having to wait on Puff to give this message to his people. And I'm like, nigga, you are Andre Harrell. You don't have to wait on nobody. You got all the information. And quite honestly, big bro, you're going to give the speech better. You're going to make it more impactful. You're going to make, make it more mm-hmm. cultural. And two days later, bro, you know, um, and so for me, it's like it was like it was painful on another level because I think he was finally getting back into his groove. Mm. You know, Andre is a spirit whisperer. He is a cultural yes. scientist in yes. the way that he prepared his statements and information. And even it was premeditated before he saw you. Mm-hmm. He had thought about this shit the last time y'all talked. And now that he knew that he was going to see you again, he had a whole. And I just feel like he was about to be back in his groove, bro. And then, you know, it was his time. But that that struck my heart in another way. And I, ne- I you know, I don't have that father figure. And I actually talked to Dougie Fresh on my show the other day, and Quasi asked him on air, can you be that for me? Because the way you're making me feel right now on air is the way Dre made me feel. So big shout out to Dougie Fresh. But, yeah, man, he he's a special guy, man, and people really don't know. And that's why, like, BT, you know, has to get this Uptown story right, you know, whatever's coming out book-wise. They just have to paint this man's picture, you know, with the thoughtful uh, strokes that it deserves. Well, and what's happening right now needs to happen because sometimes these stories just don't get done the way they're supposed to. And, and there were enough people who knew Andre uh, to talk about him and to talk about him the way that you are talking about him and, and, and to tell the story, not, not with urban legend, but with accuracy because that is the way he'd want you to talk about it. Andre didn't want you to, to, to over embellish who he was. He, he just wanted you to be straight up yes, about, about what it was. And so I, 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 
I was so excited to talk to you about Andre because um, because there's just a lot of people I know who just don't know him. They know yeah. of him, but they don't know him. And 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 I clearly didn't know him as well as you do. But there are few people in this business who I felt honestly saw me. Right. And and when he talked to me, he was talking to me. Like the, the shit that he was saying to me was not regurgitated statements that he used for everybody in this situation. It was tailored it, for you. Yes. And, and, and it was like, like, I, I, I never forget. He was just like, Jeff, you're, you're more than this. And, and it was, it was, you know, on the tail end of BT, uh, the first time the tail end of BT. And, and he was like, I don't know why you keep allowing other people to curate your gift. Come on. And, and I never forgot that. And and it literally was the impetus in a lot of ways for me to start looking at some things differently and taking greater responsibility for like, like Andre was one of those people who every vision he had, he took responsibility for it. hundred percent. Every single vision. hundred percent. He took responsibility. Like no matter what he imagined, he took response, even, even if it meant I'm not even supposed to do this, but I know who is. Hello. And, and he would go find and Jeff yes. to that point. He he would go find out who the person was that could do it, who could make it right. He was the first to get punched in the face. I mean, like Dre, I mean, he was another level of 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 man, dog. And and you gotta imagine this, Jeff. He did that. Uptown was in his 30s, his, his early 30s. Yeah. He made he and it's one, and that's why I keep telling my mentees one foot in front of the other. He didn't know his steps were ordained. No. He did this. Well, because if you would have asked him, he, he could have told a, you. He was on a trajectory to be an artist. He, he was, couldn't have told you. No, no, because he didn't know. He no. didn't know. He he was in the right place at the right time and did right by the opportunity. People, you got to understand this. I don't care how much money people have. I don't care how much you know stuff you think you should have the other no what's for you is for you you dre taught me another thing enjoy the journey <laughs> you're out here flying around the world like but but it was innate in me already jeff so you gotta imagine we talked about how we're fathers to our children we speak so much life in them motherfuckers because every day we're getting so much information yes sir. so we are able to Share that information. Not only are we sharing it, but we're repackaging it so that it hits different and it hits right. And that's what Dre used to do. And like you said, you would talk to him and you make he make you feel like you was his number one son, nephew, whatever. And 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 then on the flip side, and 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 I listen, I want to talk to you about a couple of other things, but I just I just think the legacy of Dre isn't something I've heard enough people talk about. And so I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation. But the other part of it was in the midst of all of that, because because so often, you know, in this business, man, you'll see cats and they are everybody's hero and their kids don't know. Them. That's right. And and he was Johnny's hero. Yeah. Like like he was like, again, I seldom see often in this business cats that have their kids so close to them that you're never confused 
about what the relationship is. And, and, and I'm not talking about perfection because as parents, yeah, we know that doesn't Hello? exist. But, but you know what it looks like for a son to think his dad is his hero. Man, and and and, and then to look just like him, dude, Jeff. How me, ironic! Like me, like how ironic! <laughs> if they don't put that boy in the lead role as Andre Harrell <laughs> in the Uptown Story for BT, Connie, you hear me, babe? <laughs> you got to make that happen. Like that, Jesse, you hear me, big bro? Like you gotta. That's Drake. He he really has. Uh, he's been in my prayers a lot, man. Um, yeah, man. But you know, I'm gonna tell you something about Gianni, man. Gianni is another spirit that is free like his father's. Mm. And, you know, him going to school in Paris, him speaking, you know, languages, his mother is a superhero. Big mm. shout to Wendy Credo. Like, you know, you, you, he set him up right, man. And he left him a good, a good chunk, too. Like, Dre, a lot of people think it was, you know, it was bleak and meek, but Dre definitely did right by his son. So, Oh, I believe that. John, and, 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 I, and I really just meant emotionally, man, because I just know how close they were. Um, yeah. and, and, and I know what that feels like. Um, so no, man, I, l- let me, let me ask you this, bro, because one of the things, so, so one of the things that I love most about Kenny Burns, um, despite there is no party like a Kenny Burns party, except maybe, <laughs> a a a a Burns and nice party, but. Nice and burned, yes, sir. There's, there's, I like the way you put there's, my name there's, first. There's no, brother. Listen, you on the show, brother. I, I'll talk yeah, to Derek. Yeah. I'll, I'll put Derek first when when we there. Yeah, but, <laughs> great journalism. Great but, journalism. Um, but the thing that that like even more than how much I enjoy watching you be a dad, like I enjoy watching you be a husband. Thank um, you. I, I'm I'm inspired by it because. It is something when you see couples that just fucking like each other. Yeah. And it's like, I watch y'all, man, and y'all like, and y'all are what, 21 years in? It'd be 21 years, October 16th. Brother. Crazy. Yeah, so, no, listen, man, I'm, I'm going to say this, bro. Uh, again, not playing, right? Um, <laughs> but what was, but what was, what was playing is God's, you know, my upbringing in God's eyes and what he wanted and needed me to have around me. And those women, my mother, my Aunt Lena, my Aunt Cynthia, my Aunt Linda, uh, my grandmother, God rest of the dead, um, you know, I knew how to love, bro. I knew how to love, bro. Even when I was dating, bro, you can ask any woman I've ever dated prior to my, you know what I mean? Like, I, I knew how to treat women. And I personally needed that maternal mm. figure in my life. Like mm. I needed, it was something connective for me. And when I met Jessica, I knew it. Like, I, I'm sorry. When I met her, I knew she was fine and that I wanted to holler. <laughs> and I invited her to my birthday party. Bryce, and, Bryce Wilson and I were having my 25th birthday party. And I was like, yeah, I'll fly you and your girls. It was random. Her partner, I had dated one of her partner's partners. And she was like, girl, he's the man, but don't, don't make him your man. <laughs> and I was like, this motherfucker. And so long story short, I ended up going to Chicago, seeing her, and it was over. I told her our first real date, which really wasn't a date because she was meeting me out after about four lemon drops. I was like, yo, you're going to be my wife. And I, I leaned in for a kiss, and she moved. I was like, I got to have her. I was like, this, I was like, this is it. 
<laughs> and she's been that person the entire time. Like, mm. And so to not be impressed by my business, to not be always enamored by my isms or my thoughtful offerings, you know, keeps, keeps me on my toes. And, and I think because I'm such a go-getter and I'm such a provider and father and, and husband, like she, you know, feels the same and that partnership, that, that cohesive connection is, is just, you know, over time, I tell her all the time, I don't even know, it's, it's more than love. Is there a word more than love? It's like I could not have picked a better partner because you want to be, you want to be, you want to know when you're in a relationship that no matter what, you're going to be all right. You know, I often tell my yeah. mentees that are in relationships, my girl mentees that are in relationships, I said, men want to feel safe. They want to feel safe. Safe has nothing to do with you're going to protect them. and But safe meaning that everything that's with you yep. is with us. Yep. And, I, and, I, and I double down on that to my women mentees because a lot of times these men, they, you know, you see what they have to compete with. I mean, what women have to compete with these days. I mean, they show there's no fantasy. There's no mystique nah, anymore. N- none. And, and, and that's what I, again, I, I, love, I love about my wife because even prior to, so she didn't care about all that. You got to be home. You know, you can leave on the first day back by the fourth. I had, I had like literal, like yeah. to agree to certain, but that I needed it. But you, but you said something because, because I think the highest level of relationship is partnership. Because, oh my God. because love is easy. And don't be fooled by anything else. Love is easy. Um, but if you don't, if you have love without partnership, the marriage don't work. Yeah. If so, you 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 can love the hell out of somebody, but if you don't know how to work with them, uh, yeah. Mark, Mark Lamont Hill and I were having a conversation the other day, and and just talking about how people in relationships are always trying to own somebody else, and I'm like, no yeah. no 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 no, my wife and I are co-owners in this marriage. Come on. And so whatever it is or whatever it's not is us. Now, sometimes Absolutely. some days it might be more me and some days yeah. it might be more you. But but collectively, <laughs> right. this marriage yeah. is the sum total of our co-ownership. And, right. and, and I'm, I'm curious, as you think about partnership, because it's, it's one thing to have respect for women and, and you want and, and, and you love love. And especially in the generation we grew up in, I'm like, listen, I feel for these youngins sometimes because they ain't, they ain't got the same soundtrack for romance that we yeah. had like we Hello. had some gangster crazy stuff but it was it was a serious soundtrack for romance um yeah. and so you had some modeling happening even if you ain't had no dudes around you but but partnership is different kenny and and i'm yeah. and and did you learn partnership with her or you know, did you bring partnership uh, uh, understanding a partnership into it i think we met commitment together right mm. you know commitment's a motherfucker like you know and i think in, in whether you're committing to a job committing to a person committing to whatever um and i think we were at the time in our life when we needed certain things mm. um and those things were you know were, were brought to the table immediately jeff like that's another thing man like i it was no there was no wavering once i was in every check that i needed off the list was happening and the same for her you know what i mean and i think too what everybody listening needs to understand about love right 
Because a part of love is understanding who your partner is. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times we don't even be knowing motherfuckers. It'd be so <laughs> lustful. And, 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 and when you hear these, I hear these stories, it's like, you'd be so lustful and yeah. And, but there's no real substantive things because you don't even know who you are dealing with. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think for me along the journey and, and why 21 years is happening and why the rest of our lives together are, you know, is happening is because I had no choice to feel when she felt because that's how connected we are. So if, if something is off, I don't go to sleep mad. Hmm. I, I, I say, this is something, let's talk about this because you go to, it festers mm -hmm. and we're all humans and we all have done that. But I think a lot of times when that shit gets to sitting and it gets to playing on your spirit, mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about? It sometimes gets too heavy to lift up off you. And I think that's one of the oh, key bro. things. Two nights ago. Yeah. Two, no, <laughs> two, no, see, bro, it was one of them nights for me, man, where we, we, you know, we just wasn't in the same place. And yeah. she told me we wasn't in the same place. And I went back downstairs to do some work and I couldn't do the work. So I literally pinned like a three page email because I was like, you want to say I'm, it? You want I'm to get not, it all out? I'm not right right now because we ain't right. And, That's right. And you might not, have, you might, you're angry with me right now. So you might not be able to hear me. So when you, when you can read this, let me, let me frame this for you. And That's right. Because I ain't right if we ain't right. And yeah. and and there was a time when, you know, this is my second marriage. There was a time for yeah. me when I was so selfish that it was just like, I'm just gonna go out here and do what I need to do. But a partnership doesn't allow you to do that, man. And yeah. and I'm curious too, because I, uh, one of my boy, one of my mentees is is getting married, and he's like, well, what's the one piece of advice you would give me? I said, it's a, it's a lot of pieces of advice, so I'm, I'm going to let you trade in on this one uh, right. later on. I said, but who you marry is not who you're going to be married to. Come on. And so you got to spend every day listening and learning her. Absolutely. Um, and, and so I'm, I, I want to know, man, as, as somebody who's still young in this compared to you, how have y'all committed to the flexibility of growth? And as you've grown and as she's grown, not creating the expectation that you be the Kenny that you was when you got, when y'all got married or her be the Jess that she was five years ago. Yeah. You, you have to understand that in a partnership, in the things you do have to have to have partnership elements. You can't, have a business, you know, in my particular situation, you know, my wife is my partner in my business mm. and it helps tremendously, bro. Especially in the tremendously. business you're in. Yeah, because, you know, at, in the initial stages of our, our getting to know each other, dating, that she was so, you know, it wasn't whatever. But as we started to monetize my personality, it was only right that she come in and help me maneuver because I am reactory. I, I'm re, what's the word? Reactive. Re I'm reactive to opportunities and I'm immediate with my intention. So I'm moving. She's the one like, okay, well, that's cool, but watch this. <laughs> or you need to think about, because, you know, but you know, our business is like that. We could have a million dollars on the table today and it'd be gone tomorrow. So sometimes it takes that, but then also it's the back office piece. And I, yep. I am so thankful that I have that. And if I could tell your mentee one thing, 
make her a part of your function. That the problem is when everybody's doing all these different things and you're not hip. You know what I'm saying? Like when you, your wife is gone all the time because you're gone all the time and you don't know really where she's going or what's, mm-hmm. what's, or what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know that can, and, you know that could be a problem, but the problem can be avoided if the communication is there, Huge. and if you allow her to participate. Yep. Because they want to, they want to, just like you want to fill apart, they want to fill apart. And and, and, that's and to the your only point, grow- that that participation can be everything from let me share with you what this quarter looking like to right. be a part of this, and 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 that Absolutely. really depends on what what's the call on her life. Yeah, because nine um, times out of ten, they're going to make it better. Yeah, listen. <laughs> I mean, that's a fact. Listen. That's a fact. A, a woman's touch is the ultimate. Mm, I Across agree. the board. I agree. Let me ask you this, man, before I let you get out of here. As you think about what's next for you, um, like I started to say earlier, like this last two years, I feel like it's been a crazy uh, evolution. Because it's not that you became this different person. It was like there was a level of mastery that you've been showing in the various places you. that you've been you've been showing up. And and I think it's more and, and you tell me if I'm wrong, Kenny, I think it's more. At, at some point. You said, wait a minute. I don't really need y'all at all and and i and i've just i just felt like you've come into this crazy ass level of ownership of your energy so that no matter what the partnership is you own your energy and as a result there's a level of clarity in your moves that is different than than what I've seen at any point in your career since I've known you. And it's, you. it's been fucking amazing to watch, man. And it's been inspiring as well. Yeah, I think it's timing. Um, I've always, like to your point, been who I am. I've always been selfless in business deals. I come into every friendship, partnership deal um, with the intent to be whole. Because for me, whole is the goal. And if I can't go into things meaning it, wanting to have a fruitful relationship outside of business. I mean, that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point of the last two years, really three, it, it's the last three years, I decided that, you know, it was no longer chasing someone else's dream. You know what I mean? And ironically with that, though, when I let go of what I knew, right, in, in business, and, and I had to, right, because it was toxic. It was, you know, a lot of false prophecy and, mm. you know, no one outside of Dre and Clark Kent um, and, and a few others that, you know, really saw me encouraging me to follow my, 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 my real purpose. Because, to, you know, and it's, it's amazing that I'm even sitting here so clear um, because, you know, I could only offer the people that came into my presence what I had to offer because I was not on my IG live. I was not on a television network. I was not being amplified. People always say, well, you got 250,000 followers. I said, that's because of people I've met. Hmm. People I've met have gotten me into this sphere, right? Yeah. But now it's like, no, double down on that. 
People need it more than ever. Your light is meant to touch people in a way that it's going to help society. And then watch this. I'm going to fuck you up. Three years ago, June 20, whatever, I moved back from L.A. to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I left Revolt. I left a whole bunch of money on the table and told Andre Harrell that I'm going back to Atlanta to do me. Now, we've all said this. I'm going to do me. I'm going to get I'm going But when I did it this time, it was purposeful on another level. And this is back to ordained steps, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you are feeling this energy. I came back. First thing I did was I'm not not getting my dream situation. My sons play ball. I got to put them at the best school. Mm-hmm. I, the first day, Jeff, I went online when I decided that Kenny and Kyle were going to Wheeler for hoop. My house was put on line that day. No pictures of the inside. No nothing. My wife wanted an English tutor. Circle driveway. <laughs> I said, how many, how many acres am I getting? I need, I need land. And it has to be beautiful. I didn't see the back of the house. Nothing, Jeff. Listen to me. Literally sent the agent over three days later, took pictures of the house. If we would have picked every fixture, if we would have did the landscaping, it is what I have at Loveland. Wow. That's what I call my home. <laughs> Moved back to Atlanta. Everyone knows I'm the party king. They expected me to be back at the world-famous compound. and I'm like, I'm, I'm past that. Mm-hmm. on a weekly four times a week. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm doing. I'm grown. I have something now that I want to give the people. I doubled down on that, Jeff. I started hosting instead of just hosting, yeah. meaning I would do talk shows. I would do, you know, BMI awards. I would do I would do whatever I could do to show motherfuckers, oh, I'm funny too. Oh, and my comedian, my oh, timing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so... I just started literally, and I promise you, much like Derek, because we were partners. We, yeah. The Nice and Burn show is seven years old, but we made a point like we're getting into this group. The CDC people have to see me in this way. Da, 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 CBC. Um, I said CDC. The CBC people <laughs> have to see me. You've been in Atlanta too long now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> one, one more coronavirus tweet. But, um, but I'm seeing the relationships that I had to garner to go to that level. And brother, you know, Corona, and this is where I'm going to fuck you up. I had never, the Kenny Burns show was a concept for the last, since 20, shit, it's probably 12 years. Oh, wow. But I would start and stop. Yeah. Start and stop. Start, got to go inside the launch revolt. Start, got to go, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, it, 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 it set me down and what God told me to do through my wife was to be more vulnerable Kenny Burns with this fucking untouchable figure that just fucking flew in and flew out. I, if I wanted to connect in a real way, yeah. I had to be more vulnerable, yeah. bro. What's crazy? And I but, said, but that's who you were. No, I know, but publicly, <laughs> no, no, that's no, no, my no, point. I, I, no, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Man. And so sitting, and so sitting there, framing cult. I'm almost at sixty episodes. Framing cult, having these. My Andre Harrell's last interview is with me. How? Oh, wow, man. How? This is God, and this is why I want people to to know your steps are ordained. All you have to do is put one foot in front of the other, and you got to be okay with what comes from it. 
no matter how talented you think you are, no matter how much you deserve. I am so blessed to have healthy children. My son just worked his way to a D1 basketball situation. My youngest son has a clothing line. My wife is happy. We can go to fuck where we want today in a fucking pandemic, wherever. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want people to know it's because I never stop putting one foot in front of the other. It's going to happen. And you got to be okay with the end result because even Uncle Nears, that wasn't my dream. Of course I wanted a piece of Delion because I launched it. Of course I wanted... But I have a significant amount of shares in the fastest growing independently owned American whiskey in U.S. history. No, I, and, and, that's and, God. And, and the most foundational brand. Bro, because come on. We talk, when no, you talk about reparations. Because listen, Jeff, I, I was in a meeting with a spirit company a couple of days ago, and they talked about Uncle Nearest being one of the foundations of the spirit company that other spirits no, don't acknowledge is the foundation. And so, Jeff, I want, I want to say this, Jeff. I got to say brother. this. You listen, you know this, but to have an opportunity to be a part of a story like Uncle Nearest, we're already 160 years in the game. So you come into the table with 160 years of history. Yeah. And for people that I don't will, know, that's before slavery was over. Hello. And, and my thing is this. In 160 more years, my face will be on the founder's <laughs> wall at the, the Shelbyville distillery. Like, do you understand? But that's what I'm trying to tell people. Fuck all that other shit. Keep walking in your purpose. Yeah. The shit, and you have to be okay with it. I'm 48 years old in October. I am just getting all of my due, y'all. Like, it's, it's okay. You got to enjoy the shit and be appreciative of what's possible. And I am. And I stay with my arms open to receive. Brother, and there's nothing more to say. Uh, except, <laughs> except. I love you too. Except, thank you. Yes, brother. Um, because I was at a point before I did Man Cave, uh, I was in a place of real confusion and doubt. Um, and didn't really have mentors in the business because I was, you know, I'm political, yeah. but I'm in the business, but I'm doing my company and I got kids and I'm married. And so I felt like I always had, um, I felt like I always had an invitation, but I never had membership. And I was in a fucked up place. And I, and it was nothing but the spirit that told me to call you. Wow. And I reached out and you reached back and we had a conversation and I'm telling you, you will never know, ever, until now, clearly, that that conversation and your warmth and your willingness just to be available literally was a lifeline to me wow. in a moment where I just, I, it was just one of them times, man. It was just one of those moments where yeah, it it's, it's, it's one of those valley moments, right, where you... You, you're putting one foot in front of the other, but you ain't seeing what, what the, the, the end of the tunnel. And, and brother, like, I remember where I was when I had this conversation with you. Wow. Like, I can see it. And, 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 and it wasn't that the conversation was so prolific. It was just, you said yes. 
and you extended yourself and and you said that you'd be available and you meant it. Yeah. And and so even now, if I'm like, yo, Kenny, I'm thinking about this, you like, dude, just tell me what it is, because it's yes. I got you. Yeah. And 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 so thank you, brother. Because absolutely. absolutely because in this space where so many people are still comfortable being transactional, um, you're not. And yeah. and so from one brother to another, as we think about this whole notion of thriving, um, we we only thrive because our tribe is thriving and and i'm so thankful that you are part of my tribe brother thank you i appreciate that i appreciate that my man thank you brother all right peace yo thanks for listening to men thrive did you like us if you like us visit your go-to podcast provider and check out other episodes and also go deeper by joining our community at menthrive.com. 